You know, just when I think I have it all figured out, I stumble across an article <laughs> and it shatters everything. Uh, the one I found this week is called Why I Can't Trust Myself. And uh, it's, yeah, it's all about how our brains are horribly unreliable <laughs> and that we should not take them seriously. So I'm going to dive into that today. Why we can't trust ourselves. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad and thank you for listening. I hope all your dreams are coming true today. <laughs> I was at the grocery store a few days ago and I uh, found a reusable K-cup. Uh, you know, for the cups that go into the Keurigs. Um, I don't own a Keurig, but they have one at the office. So I see this thing and I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. And it's kind of a game changer. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've I've never really used Keurigs too much. I, I don't like that those K-cups are not biodegradable. But I think they have to they couldn't make them biodegradable um, because it would just probably disintegrate <laughs> into the coffee if it was uh you know during the brewing process as far as how the design goes so i understand you know i'm not knocking the company i think those coffee makers are actually pretty cool um they just don't make enough coffee at one go for me even on the largest uh setting uh you know you've got the small the medium or the large even the large one is a little you know small <laughs> but uh yeah this is this is really good uh I, I i know i'm probably the last person on the planet to realize this they've probably been out for years but uh kudos to whoever invented this thing um hats off to you <laughs> I learn new things about myself all the time. Uh, now I like Keurigs. <laughs> and another thing I'm, I'm realizing, I saw an article this week uh, that caught my eye. And at first it was one of those where I thought, okay, you know, that's not me. <laughs> that's That doesn't apply to me. But the more I read into it, the more I thought, yeah, that's, uh, that is me. <laughs> And I wanted to share this one with you. It's uh, the eight reasons why I can't trust myself as demonstrated by psychology. <laughs> so number one, I am selfish without even realizing it. Uh, they basically make the argument that we're all assholes. <laughs> An example is, uh, let's say you're at a red light and someone blows through it. And, uh, you know, I usually have some harsh judgment for that person but if i'm in a hurry you know i can somehow justify it for myself it's the same you know thing we're both running red lights but when someone else does it they're a horrible person <laughs> and when i do it it's you know it's just an honest mistake i think it's the same reason that curse words sound worse when other people say them instead of me <laughs> i think they sound uh they add something to my story, right? But sometimes when I hear other people curse, I'm like, eh, 
they could probably do without a few of those. Like uh, maybe they should work on their vocabulary more. <laughs> um, I've tried recently to tell myself that I don't have enough information about people to be judgmental. You know, like that guy that ran the red light, he might be on his way to the hospital or an emergency. So I shouldn't judge. But then there's always this voice in the back of my head saying, he's, he's not in a real emergency. That guy sucks. <laughs> and I think most of us do this. And, uh, especially like in situations of conflict, you know, when people talk about someone that uh, pissed them off, they almost always describe how the other person is just malicious. Um, but when people talk about the times where they have pissed someone else off or they've inflicted harm, um, they usually come up with all these reasons about how their actions were justified, you know? Um, the way they see it is they had no choice to do what they did. <laughs> so they just kind of downplay it. Um, basically, whatever fits into their narratives. There's actually a name for this. It's called the moralization gap. And what that means is whenever a person, whenever conflict is present, we overestimate our own good intentions and underestimate the intentions of others and uh this this just creates a downward spiral uh when we believe others deserve more severe punishment and we deserve less <laughs> uh, and this is all unconscious of course um people think that they're being uh completely reasonable and objective but uh, most of us aren't <laughs> not as much as we think we are anyway so number two on why I can't trust myself. I don't have a clue about what makes me happy or miserable. <laughs> oh, man. I, I had to change the uh, the pronoun from you to I in these sentences, in these, uh, in these sentences so I wouldn't sound like I was just berating you. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently we suck at remembering how something made us feel in the past and guessing how something will make us feel in the future. Basically our, our memory is just like a cloudy day. Um, we tend to remember bad things much worse than they actually were. And we remember the good things much better than they were as well. It works both ways. And we often aren't even aware of actually feeling in the present moment. Um, I know when I'm at my most content is that's what I'm experiencing, that present moment. One of the great points of this article is that they say this is why we should not pursue happiness for its own sake. And uh, that sounded weird to me at first. Um, but according to psychologists, we don't even know what happiness is or how to control it once we get there. And I've seen this uh, happen with myself and others when I think, oh, if I could only get this job or lose that 10 pounds or whatever, um, then I'll be happy at that point. And then I get it 
and I'm happy for a few weeks, but then it's on to the next quest for happiness, whatever the next thing's going to be. <laughs> Number three on the list, I am easily manipulated into making bad decisions. Really? <laughs> I didn't think so, but let's dive in. Um, I mean, you ever go to the grocery store and there are those people handing out those free food samples, then uh, you wind up buying it, you know, something maybe you didn't want or even need, but because this nice person gave you a free gift, you feel obligated. Uh, as it turns out, people people's decision-making can be very easily manipulated in a variety of ways. One of which is by giving someone a gift before asking for a favor in return. And you can actually use that to your advantage if you want to, you know, manipulate a situation. You could try this, uh, you know, like the next time that you want to cut in a line somewhere, all you have to do, ask someone if you can cut in line and give them a reason. It can be any reason. Um, just say like, uh, I'm in a hurry. Uh, I'm sick. Anything. As it turns out, according to the experiments and the data, you're about 80% more likely to be allowed to cut in line than if you were to just do it with no explanation. The most amazing part is the explanation doesn't even have to make sense. All right, the number four reason I can't trust myself. <laughs> I generally use logic and reason to support pre-existing beliefs. Uh, this one is basically the foundation for the all the biases and logical fallacies that we have. Um, motivated by the reasoning and confirmation bias. And... That one's huge, especially now, you know, with all the information bubbles that we get caught up into uh, through social media and everything. So much of our information has been installed in our programming and it just kind of sits there and it never gets questioned. And we can all have knowledge without the feeling of knowledge. But the opposite is also true. You can have you can feel like you know something even when you actually don't. Um, yeah, that's never been more true than today. Um, you know, when you combine confirmational bias with curtailed online content, social media bias, um, we get caught in these those information bubbles and it can get toxic and it puts up walls for new ideas. Number five on the list, uh, my emotions change my perceptions way more than I realize. <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting. I uh, I recently had a uh, customer service issue at a bank that a bank that will rename that will remain nameless, <laughs> and they pissed me off so much. I was considering refinancing my auto loan I had with them just out of spite. Um, but rates are higher now, so I didn't, but you kind of get the idea. We've, uh, we've all made decisions in the heat of the moment. And then later on, they, they just seem sort of foolish. Um, 
it turns out that just avoiding making decisions while emotional isn't good enough. Uh, emotions influence our decisions for days, weeks, even months uh, after you've kind of chilled out a bit. Uh, what's more surprising is that even relatively mild and short-lived emotions at one point have long-term impacts on your decision-making down the road. Um, we often use memories of emotions we had at one point in time as kind of a bias for decisions that we make going forward. And the thing is, we do this all unconsciously. Emotions that I don't even remember having three years ago could be influencing whether or not I stay in and watch TV or go out with friends or uh, whatever. And while we're on the subject of memories, <laughs> apparently, according to number six, my memory sucks. <laughs> and uh, I don't argue with that at all. Um, one of the world's foremost researchers in memory work uh, found that our memories of past events are easily altered by other past experiences. She was the one that made everyone realize that eyewitness testimonies aren't the gold standard uh, that people thought they were in courtrooms. Um, she found that not only do our memories of events fade over time, um, but they also come more susceptible to false information. And warning people that their memories might contain false information doesn't always help eliminate that either. Uh, the, apparently, the more empathetic you are, the more likely you are to incorporate false information in your memories. And uh, I'm, this is me right here, because I'm empathetic to a fault. <laughs> um, <laughs> I blame it on going vegan. It, it just, I don't know what happened. It, um, <laughs> it made me empathetic for everything and everyone. Um, but... Not only is it possible for memories to be altered with false information, uh, it's, it's possible for entire memories to, to be planted. We're especially susceptible to this when family members or other people we trust uh, are the ones planning the memories. Like, no, it didn't happen that way. This is the way it happened. And then that becomes your new story. And neuroscientists, they can actually predict whether or not you will misremember, misremember an event uh, just based on your brain activity, the pattern of your brain activity. It, apparently, these, a bad memory seems to just be built into the brain software. And at first, it might seem like this is a flaw in the design, but our memories help us learn from past events, which theoretically helps us make better decisions in the future. Memory can actually have another function that we typically don't think about, but it, it's a more important and complex function than just uh, storing information. Um, because as humans, we need an identity, you know, a sense of who we are in order to kind of navigate social situations. And really just to get stuff done. Um, our memories help us create that identity 
by giving us a story of our past. And in this way, it doesn't really matter how accurate my memories are. Uh, all that matters is that I have a story of the past in my head and it creates that part of uh, who I am and my sense of self rather than using a hundred percent accurate versions of the memories it's easier to use these fuzzy memories and just sort of fill in the details on the fly uh, in one way or another to fit the version you know of ourselves that we've created and come to accept number seven <laughs> i am not who i think i am <laughs> the uh the way you express yourself, say, on Facebook probably isn't the same way uh, that we do when we're offline. And also, in that same respect, the, same, the way that you act around your grandmother probably is different than the way you act around your friends. We have like a work self, a home self, uh, a family self, and then of course, I'm all alone self, <laughs> many others. Um, so it kind of begs the question, which is the real you? And you might think uh, one of these versions of you is more real than the others, but again, all you're doing is replaying that predominant story of, of you in your head, which as we just talked about is itself a manufactured <laughs> less than perfect version of reality. Um, over the past decades, psychologists started to figure something out and that it's hard for a lot of people to accept. And that is the idea of the core self or the unchanging permanent you is really just an illusion. In our society, the idea of the individual self is so central to, to our cultural institutions. And uh, we get so caught up in figuring out uh, who we are that we rarely stop long enough to consider whether it's even useful in uh i don't know maybe the idea of identity and finding yourself is more of a hindrance than a help um in a way it confines us i mean it's useful to know what you want and what you enjoy but you can still pursue dreams and goals without just being so rigid about it. All right, the, the last reason that I can't trust myself, <laughs> and this is one that kind of kind of freaks me out a little bit, but my physical experience of this world isn't even that real. Uh, I'm not even going to go into how this reality could be a simulation. There's some really compelling arguments for that. But that's a whole different episode, and uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to go into it. But even with all that aside, we are limited to the five senses. And while those are incredibly complex nervous system, I mean, they're constantly sending information to the brain. And by some estimates, 
our sensory systems send about 11 million bits of information to the brain every second. And that sounds impressive, <laughs> but even with all that, it's a small slice of the physical realm all around us. Um, the light that we're able to see is is very small. It's a small band of the complete electromagnetic spectrum. Um, birds and insects can actually see parts of it that we can't. Um, dogs can hear and smell things that we don't even know exist. Our nervous systems aren't really data collection machines, but more data filtering. Um, and on top of all that, your conscious mind only seems to be able to handle about 60 bits of information per second. And that's when you're engaged in activities like reading or playing guitar or something like that. So at best, you're only consciously aware of this tiny portion of already heavily modified information, you know, that the brain is taking in every second. So, yeah, this is why I try not to take my thoughts seriously. It's a challenge because that ego comes in and starts saying, don't listen to this nonsense. <laughs> you are in control. <laughs> but uh, I, I think in a way, this really isn't so much of a hindrance. All these reasons that I can't trust myself. Um, you can actually use it as a tool once you accept it and aren't delusional about it. Um, I just have to be aware of the story that I'm telling myself. Um, but in the same way that uh, there are these negative stories, I could change a story today to be something completely different. All right, well, I think I have hit the time limit. <laughs> Producer's looking at me, telling me to cut it off. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can check out my website at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you next week. Your concern over public opinion shows a guilty conscience. And what good is that serving you if what is to be done is already underway? So let's say I don't have a guilty conscience. Good. And let's also say the change is neither good or bad. It simply is. It can be greeted with terror or joy. A tantrum that says, I want it the way it was. Or a dance that says, look, it's something new. PR people understand this, but they can never execute it. If you don't like what is being said, change the conversation. <laughs>